The title of the message is Waiting for Potatoes. What? You didn't even hear that, did you? Waiting for Potatoes. Now you're hearing it. All right. Let's look at James chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 7 through 12 as we get started today. James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts. What a good phrase. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Verse 10. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Anybody worn out? That's like the dumbest question ever, isn't it, right? Are you worn out? Are you tired? Are you tired of things? Do you ever even just get tired of life? We do sometimes, don't we, right? If you get not from my message, but from your heart today, the Lord says to you, establish your hearts in him. So if you get nothing else today, that's where I want you to go out of this place. Lord, I am worn out. I am tired. I don't know what to do. I'm just ready to quit. I'm ready to just go to sleep. I don't, I don't know where it's next. Pray, Lord, you help me establish my heart in you that I can live out the life you have for me. Okay, if you are full of energy and you're doing great today, praise the Lord. <laughs> but a lot of us are tired and worn out and we need the Lord's help, don't we? Okay, so again, don't listen to the preacher, listen to the Lord today. <clears throat> this is from Eugene Patterson, Peterson, excuse me. The person who looks for quick results in the seed planting of well-doing will be disappointed. Think about this. If I want potatoes for dinner tomorrow, it will do me little good to plant them in my garden tonight. There are long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence that separate planting and reaping. During the stretches of waiting, there is cultivating and weeding and nurturing and planting still other seeds. How good are you at waiting to see the fruits of the labor in the Lord? I'm usually not. I want results. I want interaction. Even today, I'm preaching. I'm hoping I'm going to get interaction. I'm going to see the Lord move and work, and I want the fruit now. But if you study the scriptures, you realize it doesn't work that way always, does it? Amen? So be patient in the Lord today. Maybe there's something you're looking for fruit right now, and you're not seeing it. And I'm encouraging you through the book of James today, be patient. Let's, let's start there in verse 7. Be patient. The Lord is coming. Again, James writes, NIV, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. We have any farmers here today? Not that I know of, right? You may do a little gardening, right? 
Wendy's Uncle Tim would always tell me that he thought farming more than anything else would make you trust in the Lord. Because with a farmer, they can have all the best technology, they can have all the best equipment, they can have all even the best, most fertile land, but they still need the right amount of rain and the right amount of sun and the least amount of storms. <laughs> and they have to trust God for all of that. And they have to wait. I would not make a good farmer. That here is the message today that James is sharing to the church that he is writing to. Be patient, my brothers. You're going to have to wait for the valuable crop. You can be patient. You can stand firm. And here's your reminder. The Lord's coming is near. Do you believe that? This is 2,000 years ago. James had this all wrong, right? He thought the Lord's coming was near. It wasn't even for 2,000 years. At least we know now, maybe even longer. We are to live in a mindset knowing that the Lord can come at any time. And that should affect our behavior. Quick reminder from 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter writes, he says, First of all, you must understand in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Verse 4, and they will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on since it has the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Look at this. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I said, I'll see it in a day, and that day turned out to be a thousand years. <laughs> We'd be like, wait a minute, we have a communication issue, right? And here's that reminder that our timetable is not the same as the Lord's. I don't know what your expectation is or maybe what you're antsy about, but be mindful of this, that God's timetable is not always the same as ours. So we have to trust him in these things. The day of the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. So he gives some simple things here. I think are good for us, practical things for us today. When you start having to wait, what can kind of happen to you? Anybody here ever get hangry? You know what I'm talking about? Wendy's mom, she has to eat. And when it's her time to eat, she has to eat then. We must stop, pull over to the side of the road or whatever we got to do. She has to have food at the moment. We can't wait no longer. It's time for me to eat. Right? Some practical advice here is when sometimes when we get to waiting and we're in our waiting, we're not seeing what we want to see, what can happen, right? Our church isn't growing as fast as we should. That's all Michael's fault. If Michael would do his job, we would, be, we would get this thing on track. If, well, if, if the Sunday school teacher was better, if we had more opportunities or if we had less of this, 
we, if we did this style, I mean, if we had better light show, if we had more, more better coffee experience, people would just give more money. If everybody would show up like they should, like the preacher says, when we don't see the fruit we want to see and we start trying to trust in ourselves and trust in the Lord, we can get impatient and we can really grumble against each other, can't we? Right? That's actually really practical, isn't it? Put your trust in the Lord and in his timing and be patient with each other, right? Today, I'm being really transparent. It's hard for the preacher on holidays because we either get everybody or everybody goes someplace else, right? And today is the day everybody went someplace else, right? And I'm really thankful for God to give people opportunity to be with their mothers and to have days of rest. But as a preacher, I'm like, this is a great day. Everybody should be telling their moms and the moms should be telling their kids, come to church. <laughs> and the Lord reminds me, it's his church. It's not mine. It's his work. It's not mine. It's his kingdom, not mine. And so I have to give what he asked me to give and then trust him for the results. Amen. So today, let's help and be patient with another, not grumble one another, even while we're waiting on the Lord. And then we have this kind of strong reminder, right? Who is standing at the door to turn the knob at any moment? The judge. Right? The Lord is our father. We saw that in Sunday school today, amen? But he's our father in heaven. Jesus is our judge, isn't he, right? He loves the little children. He loves you. He died for you. He poured out himself for you, but he is your judge. In other words, what we're saying is a day of accountability is coming so in the time that the Lord is being patient, that he's allowing you to have time, use that time for him because he will hold you accountable. The judge is coming. Let's look down the next section, verse 10. God's compassion, his mercy, and his reward, they are worth the wait. Brothers, verse 10, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance, and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. You guys know Job's story, right? Started out, life was awesome. One of the most awesome lives there. One of the wealthiest men. And not only that, Job had a reputation. He feared the Lord, and he shunned evil. So for most people, his life made sense. You respect God, you run away from evil, God will make you rich and your life will be wonderful. Yes, that's how it works, right? And we still kind of think that way today, don't we? Even though the scripture teaches us different in our minds and our hearts, sometimes we think that's how it's supposed to be. If I'm good to, the, good to God and I do what he asks, he should be good to me. And he is spiritually, but not always materially. What happened to Job? He lost all his wealth. Not only that, he lost his children. I can't imagine anything harder than that. And then on top of all the misery, he lost his health. If anybody could say, I'm not going to be patient on God, Job could be that person, couldn't he, right? What did Job do? He was honest before the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. He even complained a little bit. And then the Lord said in chapter 42, Lord, uh, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations? And Job said, okay, Lord, I'll be quiet. <laughs> And then what did God do with Job's patience and his perseverance? He blessed him double what he was before. 
Now, this is a hard thing, but if you'll hear the Lord today, I think he's speaking to us today. The Lord may be taking you through difficult things because he has some incredible fruit for you to produce down the road. And right now you're like, I don't see it, God. I don't understand the pain. I don't understand the questioning. I don't understand the lack of your presence that I feel in my life. I don't understand why the suffering or why the trouble. I don't get it. And what I'm asking you today, again, is to trust the Lord and submit and surrender your life to him. Let yourself be an instrument to him and trust that he will take what he's given you to use it for his glory and your joy. All right. This is from uh, Eugene Fagan. In his book of sermons, Living Faith, Lloyd Douglas tells the story of Thomas Hearn, who in his journey to the mouth of the Coppermine River wrote that a few days after they had started on their expedition, a party of Native Americans stole most of their supplies. His comment on the apparent misfortune was this. Listen to this. The weight of our baggage being so much lightened, our next day's journey was more swift and pleasant. You didn't catch that. Did you catch that? Hearn was en route to something very interesting and important, and the loss of a few sides of bacon and a couple bags of flour meant nothing more than an easing of the load. Had Hearn been holed in somewhere in a cabin, resolved to spend his last days eking out an existence and living on capital previously collected, the loss of some of his stores by plunder would probably have worried him almost to death. How we respond to losing some of our resources for God's work depends on whether we are on the move or waiting for our last stand. Isn't that good? When's the last time something was taken or stolen from you and you said, praise the Lord, I don't have to deal with that anymore? It's a mindset, isn't it, right? I've got to collect, I've got to hoard, I've got to have my stocks, I've got to have my 401k, I've got to have my retirement, my social security, I got to meet with my advisors so that I got my cushion. So I'm ready. And I'm not telling you not to take sound financial advice. I'm not saying you can't plan. I'm saying don't put your trust in that. Hear the Lord today. And the more we've been talking about this, this is the third week in a row. The more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to take care of. Live your life in a way that the Lord can lighten your load and you can achieve the purpose he has for you suffering is not easy but in some ways it may be lightening our load again look to the godly and the lord look to job and his example the lord is able to see us through suffering he is full of compassion and mercy come unto me all ye that are heavy laden and i will give you rest is what the lord says gk chesterson said this quote and i thought it was powerful to me today he says the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and untried. Let that there, sit there for a second. Um, I don't think the Christian life's for me. It's too hard. Well, the problem is, is you probably haven't really tried it. For those who have walked through the Lord with their life, the people that I've mentored and mentored my life after them and seen their life, they've been through difficulties. But over the long term, they found the Lord and the Lord delivered them. They tried it. They really tried it. They didn't just like do a little tiptoe to see how it was. And they thought, oh, the water's too cold. The water's too hot. They jumped in and God delivered. All right. Third thing here and final thing this morning, be patient with 
your speech. Again, the idea of suffering and waiting on the Lord. This is hard, right? Verse uh, 12, above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you will be condemned. Do you ever go beyond yes and no sometimes to make a little bit of an extra point? Here's a simple thing. When a, when a no, when a simple no would suffice. Officially, the results of the vote are 40 yes, seven no, and one over my dead body. That just could have been a no, right? Yeah. We are really good at making excuses for why we couldn't do what we said we would do. The preacher needs help with this one, too. If you're a pleaser, you can kind of get into these problems, can't you, right? Hey, can you help so-and-so? Yeah, I think so. Can you do this? Well, I, I probably can. How about this? Yeah. And then what happens when you fail to follow through on the commitments you made? You start making excuses. Amen. Well, I would have accepted that, but if you would have done that, then I would have. And if so-and-so would have, well, it's my wife. If she would have done, it was my kids. If they would have been, right? You guys, this is really, we have lost this as a society. Now we need 18 contracts and 14 lawyers to come to an agreement for it to be binded. And even then it doesn't hold, does it, right? We, we as Christians should be the kind of people that when somebody shakes your hand and you say, yes, I will, or no, I can't, everyone understands that that's how it's going to be. And that is a trust in the Lord and then trusting him to uh, us to accomplish the, the things we agree. The point here is to think before you speak, to think before you make the promise. And when you answer, answer with, answer with integrity, yes or no, and follow through. All right, last illustration this morning. This is especially for moms. And if you guys, you know how I am sometimes, I'm going to bait you here, okay? Be careful. It's a trick question. <laughs> so wait till the end, okay? To the mom hiding in her bathroom, needing peace for just one minute as the tears roll down her cheeks. To the mom who is so tired, she feels like she can't function anymore and would do anything to lay down and get the rest she needs. To the mom sitting in her car alone, stuffing food in her face because she doesn't want anyone else to see or know she eats that stuff. To the mom crying on the couch after she yelled at her kids for something little and now is feeling guilty and like she is unworthy. To the mom that is trying desperately to put those old jeans on because all she really wants is to look in the mirror and feel good about herself. To the mom that doesn't want to leave the house because life is just too much to handle right now. To the mom that is calling out for pizza again because dinner just didn't happen the way she wanted it to. To the mom that feels alone, whether in a room by herself or standing in a crowd, you are enough, you are important, you are worthy. This is a phase of life. This is a really, really hard, challenging, crazy phase of life. In the end, it will all be worth it, but for now it's hard. And it's hard for so many of us in so many different ways. We don't always talk about it, but it's hard. And it's not just you. You are enough. You are doing your best. Those little eyes that look up at you, they think you're perfect. They think you are more than enough. Those little hands that reach out to hold you, they think you are the strongest. They think you can conquer the, the world. Those little mouths eating the food you gave them, they think that you are the best because their bellies are full. Those little hearts that reach out to touch yours, they don't want anything more. They just want you because you are enough. You are more than enough, mama. You are amazing. 
Mamas are amazing, but they aren't enough. You are not enough. Did you hear that in the beginning of the message today? Part of the problem is you think you're enough, and you're not. Who is enough? Jesus is enough. My devotions last week. You killed the author of life. That's what Peter preaches. You killed the author. How could you even do that? You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. Who's enough? Abraham taking his son Isaac up to sacrifice him. The only son, the promised son. How's God going to work this out? There's no way it can happen. And Hebrews tells us that what? Abraham believed God could raise him from the dead if he needed to. Because God, he's enough. You are exhausted. You are worn out. You are frustrated of not seeing the Lord move. You are tired. You may be hungry or hangry. You are desperate. And here's the message for you this morning. It's not that you are enough, but Jesus is. If you will put your trust in him, whether it's to a witness to a friend this week, whether it's to be disciplined in your prayer life or your exercise life or your financial life, if you will put your trust in the author of life, he is enough. And he can make you more than enough. Real quickly this morning, where do you find yourself tempted to give up on the race the Lord has set before you? Can you think about that just for a second? Where are you tempted to give up? Today, I just, I could sing, I must tell Jesus every Sunday, because I feel like that is my life. Oh, how the world of evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me over the world of victory to win. Jesus, I need you. I can't do it. Where are you tempted to give up today? Give that to the Lord today. Where can you lighten your load? Robert's been making fun of me, but he's right to do it. Uh, I have a mission the Lord has put me on, and that is to fix out my garage and to get rid of stuff that I don't need so that people can use it. I need to lighten my load. I got trying to mess with too many things. And maybe it's not stuff. Maybe it's responsibilities. Maybe you're on 18 commissions and 14 committees, and the Lord is needing to let you know you need to let go of some of those things too. Hear the Lord. Don't be trying to please people. Who are you trying to please? Hear God, right? Hear the Lord. Is there something you need to get? A position, a relationship, a habit, a resource. Where have you left something undone that you committed to do? Again, speaking about your word, your yes and your no. Have you told someone yes, but you didn't follow through? If you can, follow through with the Lord's help, follow through. Have you told someone no, but you keep falling back into old habits or traps? You know what I'm talking about? Someone in your life said, don't do this anymore. And you said, okay, no, I'll say no to that. And what happens is, you know, I'm saying yes again. Right? Where can you say no like you need to say no? And finally, Vance Haver this morning, just so good to sum up all we're talking about. This is so good. Simply wait on him. Wait on Jesus. 
in so doing, we shall be what? Directed, supplied, protected, corrected, and rewarded. I must tell Jesus. Let's stand this morning. Thank you guys so much for your patience today. And then we'll ask your musicians to come. The message today, again, is the same message most Sundays, really. It is depend upon the Lord. <laughs> be desperate for him. Trust him. Be patient in him. Where you are wanting to give up, trust him. Where you are hurting and you're sad, trust him. Where you are unable to, make a, to keep a commitment, trust him to help you with the discipline and the muscle and the resource to honor the commitment he would have you make. Again today, we want to give ourselves to the Lord and let him be our strength.